Welcome to the Play-Based Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen R.B. Peterson, and maybe your new teacher bestie that is here to hype you up, maybe give you a motivating kick in the pants, and teach you all I know about play and childhood. I am here to help you challenge old and outdated practices and inspire you to create a truly developmentally appropriate early childhood environment that fosters creativity, curiosity, and joy in the children that you care for. Let's set the stage for a lifelong love of learning. Let's get going. <laughs> I just pushed record without telling you I was going to record. And so we're recording. I have Beverly back with me and she's joining me on the podcast today. Happy Little Humans is the name of Beverly's business. And we are chatting all about process art, creative expression, and how that builds social and emotional skills in young children. So welcome, Beverly. Thanks for being here to chat with me this morning. Oh, thank you so much. Or You're my evening. person to chat with. Evening. <laughs> or yeah, evening, evening for you. Beverly yeah. is in Ireland. <laughs> so um, she usually is evening when I am, you know, morning. So hi. I'm happy hi. to see you. We're <laughs> happy to see you. Too. Nobody else can see us. So we just... Yeah, we're yeah, it's happy to hear you, I suppose. Okay, so talk to me. So maybe first, I always like to define things so that we can be on the same page and everybody, all the listeners can be on the same page. So can you define uh, creative expression first and then we'll move into social and emotional development. So creative expression, what does that mean to you? Um, Everything, really. Creative expression is absolutely everything from the hair color that you top up your grays with mm-hmm. to the um pants that you're wearing that are comfortable to the color you paint your walls to the socks that you pick to everything to the way you write you know the way you interact with people um yeah it's just it's absolutely everything but in little kids creative expression is it, it's how they learn it's through playing it's how um they experience the world because they're curious they haven't lost that sense of wonder yet and they're imaginative and just so like just just sponges just ready to just learn and excited and just like yeah give me all the information <laughs> they're like little funnels that just are open to everything and yeah. just funneling it all right in through their whole entire being and body and everything yeah I love that. I've never actually thought of creative expression as just like everything. It's like how you choose to show up in the world every single day and the things that you, people you choose to interact with and the things you choose to do. And it's everything. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of mind blowing. Right down to your thoughts. Everything that you think is, you can choose how you want to think about something. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Very mm-hmm. passionate about the whole mind body kind of expression with art and interest and everything all mixed together in the whole human experience as opposed to just a paintbrush yeah how does art then relate to the whole human experience uh, I, be- I believe that art is something that's been around before maybe language before you know it's it's a way of storytelling it's a way of interacting um like I we don't really know what happened years and years and years ago you know we're told stories and we just assume that that's what happened but yeah. like when you go back to the history books and you look at like 
hieroglyphics or caveman drawings or you know that's them using the tools that they have their fingers to be able to communicate something through a story you yeah. know so it's it's not necessarily about the words but about the visual interpretation and how we all can interpret something differently so I think there was a TED talk about how visual imagery is the one universal language that everybody mm. can understand it immediately I can't remember what it was but interesting Okay, so now let's define social and emotional development. What does that mean to you? That means kind of how we get on with other people and how we interact and how we feel about it and how we can discover our unique weird selves and be okay with 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 that and not worry about like I don't like me as an adult now I'm trying to go back and teach kids and other adults how to be themselves as yeah. opposed to trying to please everyone else so for me social emotional learning is about getting on with others being kind compassionate um figuring out your own emotions figuring out who you are being able to figure out other people and sort of all mesh together in this whole experience and 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 have fun along the way because like really right (laughs) absolutely okay so I think a lot I mean most early childhood educators know how important social and emotional skills are except for I think sometimes um social and emotional skills when you are working in a very structured traditional type program they get lesson planned in as actual, like, we're going to teach you this with smiley faces and frowny faces. And we're going to teach you emotions at circle time. However, in your opinion, like, and maybe I set that up for you too well, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I just shoved some opinion into your, into your brain. Um, how do you feel like social and emotional skills are best developed in young children? I think, um, I suppose in my experience, I've had experience with like early childhood sort of um, sort of different abilities and different um, disabilities along the way. And for me, it's about that early, not intervention, but early awareness of what you know how to sort of be in the world and how to kind of um how to learn as we go because like you you know your brain doesn't stop development until you're about 25 now the science is saying the latest is Mm -hmm. and it's you know we have to realize that children are actually a, a newborn human trying to figure out the world and I don't know about you but I'm in my early 40s and I still haven't figured it out absolutely so. I know I have yeah, so you can't expect a, a three-year-old and a four-year-old to have it figured out but I would say if you're in the classroom it doesn't have to be the planned in stuff if you have to abide by that well then that's okay but you can have your own creative freedom around that yeah um, so for instance if there is something to do with 
emotions and you have to bring out the smiley faces. Well, why can't you just stick those smiley faces on a lollipop stick and make them into a puppet instead? Or why can't you stick them on a sock mm. or recreate the faces, you know, some other way? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a print out cookie cutter curriculum. Right. You can use that creativity to be able to bring your, put your own stamp on things from your own perspective and, and bring in a bit of fun, I think, you know, a bit of fun and just that connection with the human beings in that classroom is how you develop social emotional learning because it's through trust and ease and safety and you know if those children are trying to learn about smiley faces or sad faces whilst they're in fight or flight they're first mm-hmm. of all they're not listening because yeah. they're in fight or flight and second of all that part of the brain is shut down so they can't learn anything at that yeah. stage um and it might not be developmentally appropriate so you're going to have to use your your own you know expertise and stuff to figure that out but I kind of I think it I think it starts with that connection and that compassion for each other and that collaboration with learning as opposed to just someone somewhere has said this is the curriculum you have to use but they haven't been in a classroom with a four-year-old for 30 years (laughs) or ever uh, or ever yeah (laughs) you know and and things have moved on so much in the past couple of years because you know there's so many like the diagnosis for mental health and and you know has, has skyrocketed all across the world um as well as younger younger kids like puberty I was reading the other day puberty is starting two years earlier than it used to be whenever I was that age oh wow and I was just fascinated thinking oh my goodness you know what are we what how how is this you know happening and I think it's maybe more important now than ever to go back to those fundamentals and you know because AI is coming in it's already here oh yeah in two years, you're going to be able to have a full-blown party on your computer with other virtual reality people. So, you know, the loneliness pandemic <laughs> is getting worse. <laughs> just like, oh, my goodness. Real human interaction, please. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. Okay. So how can we use, how can early childhood educators use creativity, process art to develop social and emotional skills? I would just say use what you've got. So whether you only have um, scrapings of paint left and a big roll of wallpaper and a few rolls of tape, just just put it out. Just stick the tape down on the, on the table or the floor or the wall or the easels or wherever you want to put it and just kind of leave it as an invitation. Yeah. Again, as I said earlier, it's, the kids will know what they want to make with it. They'll explore or they'll think they'll figure it out. They're developing that yeah. uh, constructive sort of thinking process and questioning what it's going to be. So they're learning confidence as well because they're able to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Like if at home um, you have, <laughs> you have a, a parent who doesn't like to have any mess. Yes. All, um, having that freedom and being able to break those rules in a safe environment is so 
developmentally crucial for their confidence and their sensory exploration and for development. It's just so, it's so important. Uh, Like I know (laughs) I've done family workshops and things before been in with some, um, in some schools or whatever. Some of the adults are just like, hands up. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is not happening in my classroom. And I'm like, yeah. it's okay. You're safe here. We can do this, you know. And 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 once they put their hands in that bag of colored rice, you see their nervous system immediately, you know, change. And I think it, it all starts with modeling that behavior yourself, really. Yeah. And being able to get your hands dirty be okay with it and not freak out and run straight to the bathroom to wash it off or <laughs> you know it's okay to get a bit of glue on your trousers and you know it'll wash out and yeah um, so yeah I think it's just about having fun and about mm-hmm. remembering what you were like when you were little and what was your favorite thing and and just get down to their level on the ground and just play and listen and yeah. observe and yeah, you make me want to go back to the classroom and just- I know, <laughs> I, I do too, same. So one thing that when I was in the classroom that I did notice um, that when children have a, you know a space for process art where they can grab whatever materials they need off of shelves and use whatever they want to create whatever they want is that the children who are all gathered around those tables develop so- so many things socially because they're having conversations and they're looking at what other kids are doing and they're talking through what they're doing and they're asking for what they need. And it is probably one of my favorite areas to watch those social skills like develop because it really is about looking at what other people are doing and, and kind of trying to, it starts that like um, looking at what other people are doing and, and, um, pre- appreciating others is work. Mm-hmm. And I like one of my favorite things to do was just to sit in the art area and just listen to the conversations and watch the things that were transpiring in the art area. And art doesn't just have to be, you know, creativity and art is not just in the art area. Another place that I love to sit was in the block area and watch children build and listen to the conversations that they were having as they were building and the imaginary worlds that they are creating in their heads. And it was really magical to be a part of. And I'm so grateful for that time that I got to have in the classroom. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine living in those little worlds where there's so much creativity happening. It's just, it's just so much fun. And like, for you know, like I have written in my note here just to check this, like process art is to me, it's like feeling forward is a big thing because you are experiencing mistakes and corrections and someone else dabbing there you know having their on your artwork and and happy accidents happy accidents are one thing that I I think that led me into specializing in my area in art it was ceramics Mm. and um, like ink drawing so it was kind of I was exploring things that I had no control over and I was trying to sort of impart some sort of control on them um so that's why I call them happy accidents because every time something went into the kiln you were never quite sure what was going to come out 
Yeah. Um, you know, and and as you say, like I was just checking through Instagram earlier and there's a wee reel that I had of a little girl a couple of years ago at a workshop and that I had set out uh big bits of white card and I had masking tape and paint sticks and I have a little video of her and they were all playing together, all joining in. And in her little tiny English accent, she was just like, this is the best day. Aww. And it was like, my heart. It's just like amazing. Oh, so. yeah. They don't remember their best day in front of a screen. <laughs> they don't remember their best day, like, you know, in front of TikTok. They remember things like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And that's just like a lifelong thing. Like you're, she's going to take that with her forever mm-hmm. and remember that. Oh, how can, um, so if there's any like at home caregivers slash parents slash guardians that are listening to this and uh, they want to provide opportunities like this for the kiddos, they, of theirs, um, what are some things that they can do to like implement creativity and art in their home? Um, first of all, I would probably have a look in your drawers in your kitchen. That's always somewhere where you can find materials. So you could start like water play or something with your saucepans, or you mm-hmm. could make music out of it, or um, you could um, go into the bathroom if you're allowed a thing a, a, a roll of toilet roll mm. if there's or toilet paper if there's any toilet paper left and mush it all up and see what happens when you absorb it and you know it doesn't have to be a whole roll a couple of pieces is yeah, yeah. <laughs> um then there's the inner of that there's the cardboard roll in that there's so many different things you can do with that um but I suppose I would start with your the basic things you have around the home um process art generally if you're trying to start to learn to tolerate mess maybe start with like water painting Mm, mm -hmm. Um, then build your own tolerance up to adding a bit of paint into it and then gradually leaving a big tub of paint out and a big bit of old wallpaper or something from the garage and and just see what happens um but you know you can use it as something where you you are trying to promote independent time for their independent play mm-hmm. you can use it as an invitation or you can use it as a connection time I I would tend to use it a lot with my kids as time for connection yeah especially after school you know if they're a wee bit older or whatever um but it really helps especially if it's something sensory that mm-hmm. it really helps them process their emotions um knowing that you're there if they're having a hard time if they're anxious about anything if they're worried about anything then it usually comes it usually comes out yeah and so it's 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 not just art for art's sake it's it's actually it's actually kind of fundamental to to being just absolutely it it calms your brain everything it's just but yeah have a look in your cupboard um sensory things as well rice if you've got like a, a ziploc bag and some old rice and put paint in with or just play with it as it is or you know just put it in a tray let them have a little play yeah um, 
or some dough recipes or you know everything that you have in your kitchen you could be so so many ideas or just go and grab a blanket and put it over a few chairs and away you go with a wee fort and start thinking well, I used about to it. love making forts when I was little I would make like whole entire like rooms like my sisters and I like we we would coat the whole entire living room in forts and like blankets and tables and couches like we used everything and we would make like our own little rooms it was mm -hmm. so fun oh my gosh I loved making forts yeah forts and cardboard boxes especially around you know um like if you celebrate Christmas Christmas time or anywhere where you get big gifts or new furniture cardboard boxes never ever throw them out you know <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah. okay uh, I want to talk about craft projects versus mm -hmm. process art. Can you kind of explain the difference first and then we'll go from there? Okay. Um, craft is generally something that has an outcome or a template. Generally, you would see like a lot of hobby craft stuff, which are like cross-stitch patterns or, you know, something like that where you have to follow an instruction. Yep. Um, craft is like, can be adult-led where you want to make a specific thing and they all look the same. Mm -hmm. So that would be my definition of craft. It would be some skills, but they're mostly um, adult-led and instruction kind of based and they have an outcome that looks yeah. exactly the same um for me process art is it's about the journey it's about the actual process it's about what you learn when you're doing the activity the art activity you know the the craft even if it is a craft activity that you're doing mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the same so if you're waving for instance or or felt making or something like that it doesn't have to look the same as everyone else's so process art is is about the process it's not about the product yeah. it's about it's about everything that you learn along the way and you can scrunch it up at the end or rub it out and do another one and yeah. that's okay okay I want to process through this with you because I this is a thought that I had um and I'm trying to just like articulate it a little bit and figure out how I can put it into a learning moment for people, like an analogy maybe. So one of the things like when I'm out teaching and doing workshops and things is that a lot of times I hear that people want to do craft projects with their children so that they can practice scissor skills. Like that is one of the main things that I get back. Like they need to learn how to use a scissor. And so they learn how to use a scissor when we do craft projects. When did learning how to use a scissor become one of the most, the biggest goals of early childhood education? Like we don't have this goal for any other tool. Mm -mm. Well, first of all, no. <laughs> so scissor skills, scissor skills. Like, why did it become such a huge thing? Like, right. when a child, I mean, yes, it's for fine motor, but there's so many other things to develop fine motor skills. Yeah. So, like, when did it become, like, the end-all, be-all of, like, skills think, for early childhood? I think scissor skills leads to a career in scissor management 
at the scissor factory <laughs> where they make scissors with yes. like, like yes. what what yeah and like I understand I don't know. like why don't we have these goals with other tools that maybe children would use just as much like I don't know like I'm trying to think of something that children you like toothbrushes brushing their own teeth like why don't we put a huge emphasis on brushing your teeth? They do that more than they use a scissor, probably. Or yeah. brushing your hair, like combing your hair. Like, why don't we put huge emphasis on something? Like, why is scissors such a huge, hugely emphasized? I think it's such a misconception, though, isn't it? Because especially parents, if you're not even in, you know, uneducators who maybe have come through um, the system and scissor skills is like the term for it I don't know why because it's like a, a rhyming you know, scissor starts with scissor skills so, it rolls yeah. Up the phone. yeah but it, it's you know there's so much more to scissor skills as in fine motor skills like yeah. all those things where you're putting your hands into dough and squeezing and working those finger muscles like the bones aren't even fused yet yeah before. so they're not going to be able to use scissors when they're that age so it's kind of working around. I'm trying to think of an analogy, as you say. Um, so if it was scissor skills, so like scissor skills, all those type of things lead to tying laces and being able, mm. you know, pencil grip and all that type of thing. Um, you know, knife and fork, stuff yep. like that. Yep. Um, but it's just as you say, it's fine motor. Yeah. Training, isn't it? And you mean like all those pages where they have a stripe down yeah. and a zip and a, yeah. yeah. Or people just, that's one of their excuses for only doing craft projects is that children need to learn how to use a scissor. And so by tracing a circle and cutting out the circle for the body of the fish, they're, they're learning because in practicing their scissor skills. But, but they're learning something. They're learning that they can't have a, a say over what they want to do with this page maybe they see a page with a fish on it and think oh I could make that into like you know something else like a vase of flowers or or you know I could cut it up and make it into like a, you know a, a structure or something and um, yeah yeah I think I think it's just you know a lot of adults as they say have the you know as the famous Sir Ken Robinson says like has the the, the creativity educated out of us mm. so we don't remember what it's like to be little yeah um and how like you'll be able to tell whether your kids are teed off or not really won't you right. <laughs> if they're enjoying it or not I have a question for you <laughs> I'm like really into scissors right now I'm gonna have to make an Instagram post about this so if a child is in their play and they're doing process art and they're holding a scissor wrong what is your opinion on if we should go in and correct them if the scissors is still working or if we should let them use it how they are using it? I would let them use it how they're using it to try yeah. and figure out, first of all, does it work? Second of all, if it's not working, how can we figure it out? Um, and if it doesn't work, maybe I don't want to play with the damn scissors anymore. Put them down and I've got to rip it with my hands. <laughs> I just, I was in a training once and I had someone, um, kind of come at me because they're like, so if a child's holding a scissor wrong, 
you aren't going to teach them the right way to use it. But if they are pronouncing a letter wrong, you would correct them on that. And I was like, I kind of, it kind of took me back a little bit because I was like, so thrown off, thrown off by the question. And I was like, but the scissor actually works even if it's upside down. And if they came to me and asked me, can you help me? I absolutely would help them. But like for a letter pronunciation or whatever it was, I don't even remember what the other thing he was comparing it to. Um, I was like, but that's like, there's only one way to do that. Like, oh, it was letter formation, like writing the letter the correct way. And yes, in those instances, like if, you know, they're writing something and they need to know how to write, make the a letter form the right way. Yeah, I'm going to help them because there's only like one right way to write the letter M. I mean, there's two up, uppercase and lowercase. And I mean, we could really get into it with like cursive and Danilian and all of that. But like, I just, I, I was kind of thrown off. I was like, I don't know. And then, then the, then it was also brought up too that like, it's a sharp tool. So we need to teach them how to use it correctly so they don't hurt themselves. But I'm thinking, I don't know, like I, we use like blunt edged, edged scissors in early childhood when you're first starting to learn to cut. So like, I yes. don't feel like they would actually hurt themselves if they're using it upside down. No. And, and or again, then they would if they're holding it correctly. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't I think, know. For like for there's two two sides I think to that coin. There's one which is risk management. Yeah. Like they need to have to be able to experience these things. If they cut themselves, they're gonna cut themselves. Yeah. Because even if you're there or not, they're gonna try it the same way again when you're not there because they wanna know what happened. Yeah. So if you correct them, they'll still go back and want to know what happens the other way. Yeah. I think anyway, and my experience and the other thing is like if you didn't want to teach them the right way I would use modeling more than anything yeah. else yeah I'm just going that you know come, come to sit beside them and go this is fun now let's you know cut these up and see how many little confetti pieces we can make or something yeah, or yeah. you know and and let them have that social interaction where they're watching you and they're seeing your fingers and they're kind of trying to play with theirs and figure out where the fingers go and, and if they're upside down or back to front or you know, yeah. that's, that's how I would, that's how I would do it personally. Hmm. Mm, thanks for hashing that out with me. I think there's a whole <laughs> class in there somewhere on scissors and okay. free the scissors. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just for craft projects, people. Uh, okay. Thank you for like hashing all of this out with me. Thank you for being here to promote creativity and self-expression and social and emotional skills in young children. Where can people find you if they need, if they need more Beverly in their life? <laughs> um, you can find me through my website, www.happylittlehumans.com, sorry. Or you can find me on Instagram mainly. I'm happy little humans play on there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here and thanks for being doing the work that you're doing in, in the lives of young children. I appreciate you. You too. Thank you so much. If 
you liked what you heard today, share this podcast with your coworkers, admin, or maybe even your partner. And I love getting five-star reviews so more people can embrace play. Hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Or connect with me on Instagram or my website, kristenrbpeterson.com. Until next time.